Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party. I'm Jarvis Davis. Coming up on today's show, Georgia got a taste of their own medicine. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Atlanta football party. This is, like we said, your favorite show and the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk anywhere because it's local insight you can't get anywhere right here at Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Brent Rollins and Jarvis Davis. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Atlanta Football Party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And, guys, whew, Alabama was throwing haymakers at Georgia all day in the SEC Championship game Saturday. And the last team to beat Georgia exactly 728 days before that happened beat them again. So we'll go between the hedges to talk about if we think the committee got it right in their playoff team selections as a result of championship weekend. We'll talk transfer portal and chop it up all about all SEC selections. We'll also talk about what's next up for UGA. But first, let's talk about you guys' takeaways from the dogs. Disappointing loss to the tight end. Brent, you said he had two. Georgia wasn't Georgia from that opening kick, and they didn't dictate the game on offense like they could have and should have. Yeah, the biggest, like you said, opening kick. Like he kicks it out of bounds. Like so <laughs> it's one of those things where yeah, what have we seen from Georgia during the winning streak? You've seen attention to detail, lack of, you know, one of the least penalized teams in college football, turnovers in, in big games, not necessarily be, for the most part, not being an issue. Uh, missed a field goal, like, you know, penalty right penalties, penalty right before the field goal that pushed it back even further. Like all of those things led to like them just, they, Georgia beat Georgia as much as Alabama beat Georgia uh, in this game, I think. But secondarily, the off this, we talked about this all year. This was an offensively driven football team. And they had it playing with the lead plays to the strength of their team. Yes. And they had an opportunity, they got it early, but they had an opportunity to me to really put the foot on the gas late first quarter, early second quarter, things like that. And they just didn't, and they couldn't. And Alabama, in essence, outfoxed them, outcoached them, out, you know, executed them, all that stuff in the middle part of the game. And then the pace of the game, the rest of the game was Alabama's pace. And that's, it, it stayed that way. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because we talked about this last week and how you know what were some of the keys to the game and one of the things i mentioned was i felt like it was one of those games where georgia could win it two ways georgia could win it close or georgia might just blow out alabama but i felt like for alabama to win it it was going to be close and it was going to be sort of some for lack of a better term some hairline missteps that were going to just work in alabama's favor because what nick saban was going to have his guys ready now what i didn't expect brent was just exactly what you said because i thought both guys were going to play chess and i felt like kirby smart was at a point in place in his career where he could play chess with nick saban but he had the better chess pieces i just felt like the chess pieces didn't quite move like the chess pieces were supposed to no and in alabama the thing about this season I actually think Alabama is the only team that beats Georgia this season. Agreed. Absolutely. Like it, it's, it's, they are uniquely qualified from a talent standpoint and where their talent is. Corners, edge defender, size and size and defensive front. Like they are uniquely talented to beat Georgia. That's and I think that's the only team that beats Georgia. Like if 
Georgia takes care of that game, I think the next two games they take care of quite almost easily in a way. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I think it was one of those things where almost like, you know, you say in so many instances where you know there's something big, right? There, there's some history to be made, but you've got one hurdle and it just so happens to be the hurdle of hurdles. Now, if you get across it, everything else is a cakewalk. Problem in this situation was Georgia didn't quite get over the hump or across the hurdle. Now, Jarvis, you also said that it was because, well, and Brent kind of alluded to it there, so perfect segue, because Georgia kind of got a taste of their own medicine. Yeah, because when you think about how Georgia has played all season, like one of the things that, you know, we've been enamored by, we thought it's, it's been kind of cool to, as far as a trend goes, like, hey, they taking, they're taking their team's best punch on, on, on defense from a defensive standpoint, and then they make an adjustments, and then that's the, and then you don't see that the opposing team offense you know, for pretty much the rest of the game. And, and I think that that's what we saw when Georgia came out and they walked the dog down the field, scored a touchdown. Kendall Milton, you know, gets in there, and when you think about you know, that that score, and and Nick Saban even talked about it after the game. He was just talking about how. You know the, the the adjustments that they make, and you just talk about. And I, I was I was a, I was amazed by that because a lot of times, you know, coaches don't necessarily give you that much insight. But you know, I'm, I'm sure Saban had respect for who asked the question. Roman Harper had when you asked the question, he was just like, "Yeah, we went from odd front to an even front. They started playing a little too high, you know. Um, and then hey, because they knew that their guys, and like like Brent said, they had the advantage on the edge with guys like Dallas Turner getting home and and being able to, you know, um beat those offensive Georgia offensive line like we're not used to seeing it. We're not used to seeing those guys get handled like they did on, on Saturday. So I think that overall Georgia was in a space where, like you said, it was that was the only team. That was the only team that could probably potentially match up up front because we know how big Georgia is on those hogs, like like uh the up front and from a protection standpoint and from um, being able to get to the quarterback. So I think Georgia got a taste of their own medicine, and they just couldn't figure out a way how to how to combat that. The Dallas Turner thing you mentioned—that's think about that. Like that guy is likely the highest pick on Alabama's team in the in the upcoming draft. Latham maybe, like sure, McKinstry sure. maybe. Like they're going to be battling it out to be the highest draft pick. He played less than half the game. Because of the adjustment that you talked about, Dallas Turner played fewer snaps in that game than he did in any point in the season. There were 62 defensive snaps for Bama. He played 29. Like So because of that adjustment, they went with size, and they said, okay, we're going to just be big and prevent any sort of running game and then just go cover. Yeah, and because you can do that with the guy that you have on out there on the edge, you know, as far as uh, from a cover standpoint, those corners, like that is – that's where they had the advantage, and like Georgia hasn't seen that this year, so it was it was a really bad matchup. But you know, given how they played this year, the expectation was they had to be able to you know get through it. But once that once that once that ball kicked off, it was just like it was a toss up. It was a toss up, and we saw that played out right in front of our eyes. Yeah, and I don't think any of us thought that we would end that game seeing a stat line like thirty one carries for seventy eight yards averaging two and a half yards per carry from this Georgia running back room, especially because Kendall Milton and Kendall Milton had about as good of a game as Kendall Milton could have had or any of that running back room on Saturday. But I don't, again, think that we would have expected even one 
of those running backs to not get to the 100 yard mark, let alone the entire running back room to not get to that running that 100 yard mark. So, yeah, it was just one of those games where, like we said, and it, it's interesting because I heard someone say this and, and not to make light of it, but I heard someone say that as they were talking to a fan that particular day, kind of watching the game play by play, that person said after, you know, the, the first the opening uh, drive touchdown. Oh, my God. This isn't good. This isn't good because something told him, hey, we are just the opposite. When we score, when when the other team, the opponent scores on us, then we reset and then we go off, like Jarvis said, and we just run the gauntlet for the rest of the game. This was the polar opposite. And somehow that that fan felt like that was very telling about what this game was going to be. It's true. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's like you said, it's just not what we're used to seeing. No. And I think that some of the adjustments that were made in the second half of this game, you know, just think about, you know, Glenn Schumann and, and what they did, how they started off. Like there was, you know, they had an even front with the double spy and they were literally saying, Jalen Miro, you can't beat us throwing the football. And I think that, you know, you kind of bouncing back and forth between it, you know, throughout the game. And I think that there was some certain times I've just felt like you could probably should have sent a little bit more pressure mm-hmm. because, you know, you want to force you know, Miller Road to make a decision because they those called runs ultimately, you know, ended the game for 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 the Bulldogs at the end. So I think there was some times, time and points where they could have made some adjustments because, you know, sending the pressure, you know, from one side and forcing the roll, you know, the opposite way, you know, maybe um, preferably to the left since the right-handed quarterback. I think those are some of the things that you probably could have done, you know, to 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 combat, you know, what was going on on the field. So, and then. Also, not allowing them to be able to run the football the way they did, I think that will ultimately, you know, um, yep. shut down. And Mims going out. Like, yeah. Mims going yeah. out of the game. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. We've talked about the the sort of exponential impact he has when he came back. It's obviously, to me, an exponential loss when he goes out. Like, that's the top 15 pick. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's a, and that's another thing that we have been used to, right? We like George been like, oh, yeah, Amarius Mims is out. Okay, Xavier Trust can come in and step in and be that guy, but – not against Alabama. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a difference. Yeah. You it see the drop off of games like this. Exactly, because it showed itself as such throughout the season where it felt it felt like plug and play. But this was the one team where plug and play just was not going to work. We're going to talk a little bit more about the game and some of the outcomes of fallout, maybe from the game when we get back to talk between the hedges. And of course, then we'll do a look ahead too. But first, let me tell you guys a little bit about game time. So you shouldn't have to worry when you're trying to buy tickets for your next big event. And I know that you're probably not that excited, Georgia fans, about going to the Orange Bowl. But if you so choose to go to the Orange Bowl and check the guys out against Florida State, check the dogs out, there's a place you can get your ticket even if you decide last minute, and that is game time. It's fast, it's easy, and you can buy it not just for sports, but music, comedy, theater events, near you or beyond. So with killer last minute deals, all in prices, you can view your seats. There's the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. So you can see the view from your seat before you buy. You can buy the tickets in seconds with just two taps. Game time says deals on tickets right up to the start of an event. And game time guarantee means you always get the best price if you buy tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will actually credit you 110% of the difference and with zone deals you pick the section guarantee picks the seats for an average of 18 percent savings so download the game time app 
create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Actually, that's locked on college terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, guys, let's do just a little bit more of a deep dive before we kind of move forward and kind of look ahead. So, of course, once you get to this point in place where you're like, all right, the three P hopes were dashed. SEC title game didn't quite go how Dogs Nation wanted it to. But I don't think anybody kind of saw, unless you guys would say otherwise, the Dogs dropping five whole spots to number six in the college football playoff rankings that were released Sunday. What that meant was that Georgia ends up in the Orange Bowl facing off against Florida State, dropped to number five. Michigan, of course, jumped to one. They'll face Alabama, who went from eight to four in the Rose Bowl. Washington, two. Texas, three. They jumped from seven. They're in the Sugar we haven't had a chance to discuss it on this Atlanta football party. So I'm just going to ask you straight away, Jarvis, did the committee get it right? Uh, given how this season turned out, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, because at the end of the day, like a lot of people don't want to admit this, but the SEC is the best conference in college football. I mean, period. You, can you leave the SEC champion out? Can you leave a, a one loss Um back-to-back national champion out yeah when you put lead you get the team that beat them yeah of course you got to get a team that beat that team you know what i'm saying so i i think that but as far as the whole florida state piece yeah acc has been down y'all <laughs> you know clemson hasn't been good and that was the only person that was the only team that was keeping y'all in so it's to some to some sort of rep relevancy in the uh, in college football playoff conversation and they just haven't been relevant and, yeah. it, and then Florida State, you know, they are a team that was just bowl eligible last year. I know the, the college ball playoff committee said they, they do year to year, but that's crap because, you know, I, I feel like you, you give teams benefit of the doubt because you gave Alabama the benefit of the doubt. Like, hey, this is a team that's been before. It's a team that, you know, when they go play a Mercedes-Benz for the SEC championship, they don't lose. You know, those are the type of things that you have to look at. So I think overall, I, I felt like, you got it right to the standpoint of who can we justify not being in there um, by saying, okay, yeah, we understand that Florida State beat LSU. But, you know, this as the conference as a whole, and this was a weird year because we didn't eliminate any conferences early on in the season because right. pretty much everyone had been competitive and then you had teams that were undefeated and you had – you know, those teams winning some out-of-conference games that, that, that would look good on your resume, like like Texas. So I, I think that overall, yeah, they got it right. You know, because somebody was going to be mad because there are four playoff spots and we're talking about Power Five conferences being in. Remember, notice I said five. Right. So there's Power Five. Versus five. five. Exactly. Right. There's going to be one conference champion yeah. not in there every year, guaranteed. Yeah. So it was Florida State this year. Yeah. And let's just be real, Brett. Like you you hear people say, and I, I mean, every to me, there's almost no wrong answer because I feel like every dog in the fight does have some semblance of an argument, including Florida State saying, well, if it's because we were down Jordan Travis, or remember, Ohio State got in with their third string quarterback and ended up running the table. So, okay, Jarvis, but I'm just saying that's what some of them are saying. I'm Cardell Jones yeah, and the table. And, you know, and with, they ran the table rather with Cordell Jones. So, I mean, Brent, do you feel like with that kind of argument that Florida State is kind of putting forward that the committee still got it right? No, they're a thousand percent wrong. Eight million, one thousand percent wrong. And the reason they're wrong 
is because there was no right answer. Like now, there should have been six. I, there yeah. are six teams no this year that yes. were worthy of being in a sort of playoff. Yeah. That's like yeah. Florida's like the fact that like I, the thing for me is I can't imagine being one of those players for Florida State saying, Hey, we went and played LSU in the opening game when LSU was basically other than Mason Smith at its at its peak health. And we trounced them. Like you went and played at Florida, even with your backup quarterback, and won at Florida. You won all your other games. Yes. Like it is a football team. It's not an individual. Now, did the college football playoff get it right when you consider what the playoff really is, which is a beauty pageant invitational TV event? Yes. Yep. They got it right. They got three humongous brands and a you know undefeated champ that had two top, you know, wins beat Oregon twice. Like from that perspective, yes. They got it right. But there was no right answer this year no. because six teams and, – and to me, six has always been the best number. Same. But, but, the, but the crappy part is in the 10 years of the playoff, it really – like there are sometimes where it's just two. Like yep. two would have been great. It just – each season is so different, and you know, now we go to 12. So, But, yeah. no, I, I don't think they got it right. I think Florida State got completely hosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the interesting part is I think if Georgia wins the game, Florida mm-hmm. State is in. I yes. think then the committee would justify saying, hey, look, the Bama win for Texas is a little bit devalued. Florida State's undefeated. They they beat the S, you know, had two and in the SEC, and it's Florida, uh, Georgia versus Florida State 1 4. Yeah. Like, and that way they get the Rose Bowl, Big Ten, Pac 12 type matchup. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? But no, I don't think they got it right because I don't think there was a right answer. Yeah. And I would have to agree on that one. I said to myself, this is the first time that they really got challenged in this college football playoff committee era of four teams or four slots, let's say, of four slots. Because like you, I'm not a fan of the of jumping from four to 12. I would have actually preferred a six as well. And I think six should have been in there a couple of years ago. And I don't think we would have gotten to this point. I mean, yeah, you're always going to have eight some even. argument. Like eight for eight. me. And I was going to say, and I would have conceded with eight. Like eight would have been a checkoff. I don't think there's any more teams than that that can actually win the thing. No, no. Not, every, not year in, year, ba- year in, year out basis. Right, which is why I'm not a big fan of 12. But because if you do six, okay, yeah, seven's going to complain a little bit more, but or complain, but they're going to complain a little bit less than five is going to complain. And then if you do eight, nine is going to complain, but has even less of a leg to stand on the seven and, and five would. But yeah, this is the one year where it's like, are you kidding me? Because I'll go back to this, Brent, and then we'll move on. Just like we said, Alabama is probably the only team who could have put Georgia on their heels. So if you had a six, if you had six slots, if this was a six-team college football playoff, Georgia gets back in and one of two things, well, number one, you know, they don't like rematches in kind of the early stages of the playoffs, so you know they weren't going to pick them first. But if they're coming back head-to-head, two things. Number one, Georgia's getting to the championship game. And number two, I don't think Georgia's losing twice any any more than they lost twice to them a couple years ago when they lost in the championship game for the SEC and then they beat them in the in the title game. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. It is what it is. And we'll see what this right. conversation looks like with 12 teams next year. Anyway, Brett, it was a sweepstakes back in play. The transfer portal opened up Monday. Several players decided to take their talents out of Athens. Of course, the most notable departure, not shocking, but just notable, was Brock Vandergrift, but also D. Lyman Jonathan Jefferson entered early in the day. Offensive tackle Austin Blasky, uh, wide receiver Jackson Meeks, and outside linebacker C.J. Madden all elected to enter the portal, at least as of last evening. I'm sure we're going to hear more of those names kind of come through today. But 
Two things, did any of those entries into the portal surprise you? And are there any players that maybe you'd be surprised not to see enter the portal eventually for UGA? No, none surprised. And I think there's going to be more. And like, you're going to have to replace 30% of your roster, you know, graduations, pro, portal uh, changes, like 80 people played 10 snaps. I think you're going to, you know, right at about 30 that you're going to have to replace. Um, in terms of not people that I would be surprised if they didn't go into the portal, like Arian Smith walked, walked on senior day as a third year player. I think like he would be one that, and maybe some of the situational things have changed and he decides to stay. I would be, but I think in terms of anyone leaving, no, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock. It honestly wouldn't shock me if anyone, cause like there's been rumors about Micah Williams, like it wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me. None of it would shock me because I actually said this when NIL was created that it wouldn't shock me that you get to a point where every player puts their name in the portal almost, at least yeah. and even significant players, especially right. the really good ones. Mm-hmm. Just be like, okay, I'm gonna put my name in the portal. Maybe somebody will cut me a check for five five mil. Like maybe I'll become your name Burton. <laughs> you never know. Like yeah. because that opportunity is now there, nothing would shock me. Right. And then two, in addition to what Jermaine Burton is able to say with him now going into the college football playoff with an opportunity with Alabama, you've got three quarterbacks who are now in what their fifth season of college football play who are Heisman Trophy finalists. Five of the last six Heisman winners were transferred. Exactly. Bryce is the only non because yes. Tyler, Baker, Burrow, Burrow, like all of them, Jaden, you know, all of them yep. this year. It's, yep. it is what it is now. This, that's what Here college football free agency. Yeah. Exactly. It is the price. It's, it's, it's the currency in college football, right? Travis. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this, is, this is the crazy thing. Like, I, and my whole thing that kind of gets me is when people are surprised, like, Oh my God, Dillian Gabriel jumped in or the angry. portal. Why is he trip? I was like, do you understand the type of money that's being offered? Cam Ward, the quarterback for Washington State. Washington State. Now, Cam Ward's a not you know, right? But not, 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 not like one of the, the, the darlings of the college football. This is Wazoo, Washington State. He had, what, seven offers reportedly of a of million dollars to come to a, a, what said school. Like, that is crazy. Crazy. So, like, so don't be surprised, folks, that these guys are going for the money. Like, if you were in that that position to be able to leverage something like that, because like I'm a, I'm amazed and I'm I'm on the borderline jealous at the amount of negotiating power these <laughs> college football players have today. Like, yeah. and I'm not I can't hate on it because to be honest, which I wish I would have had some of it too. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. and I ain't even talking about a million, a thousand dollars. When I was in college, like we were excited as like the dance and cheer team to get like book scholarships. And I mean, I know it's not quite the same, but it is the same because a couple days ago I'm sitting with our coach, which we have a national championship cheer team from uh, my alma mater. And we're literally talking about a quarter of a million dollar endorsement opportunity for those 30 kids. And don't get me wrong, they don't need money because they're all like these pharmacy and like pre-med majors who are like, you know, full ride scholarships, but think they don't want me going after the 250 for them? Hell yeah, they want it because they can. (laughs) I'm like, and do you think when I was a dancer, if somebody or cheered, you know, or I cheered and somebody offered that to me that I wouldn't take it? Are you kidding? The answer is- Nothing should shock you. 
Nothing. In college football, yes. No, exactly. In college sports period, we are at that point. Now, speaking of shocked, Georgia plays six players on the two AP All-SEC teams that was released Monday. We got Brock Bowers, Cedric Van Pran Granger, both of whom were first-teamers and unanimous first-team selections. And then Tate Ratledge and Malachi Starks joined them on the first team. Javon Bullard and Nas Stackhouse were among those who joined on the second team. Who, if any, UGA players got snubbed? Who do you think, Jarvis? Anybody got snubbed? I think that's pretty – I mean, when you think about it uh, – I think I think that's pretty 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 much on brand with you know where 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 Georgia should be. I don't think anyone just off, thinking off the top of my head. No, I don't think anyone. That you There's only really two say. possibilities. Like, could you mm-hmm. put Carson back over Milrow in the that's second that. team Maybe. potentially? But Milrow had like 700 yards rushing and nine touchdowns. That Beck had none of that. Uh, yeah. So in their passing stats, yardage was a little different, but touchdowns, picks, all that, the sort of normal stats that voters like that look at pretty similar mm-hmm. uh lassiter kamari lassiter maybe yeah. is a second team corner but he also did not have you know plays in the football you know ints uh, so a lot of ints so it's just I, I think i think it was appropriate yeah it's one of those where it's kind of like a style matters for lack of a better term and well you know, and lads on there if he's healthy all year yes. Mims is on there if he's healthy all year Thomas, those kind of things possibly yeah. Thomas Johnson potentially if he's no here. Like I mean, there's just yes, for sure. So. Yeah. Speaking of a guy that was, yeah, who definitely they they missed uh more than we could even speak on. But listen, we will talk up next in terms of where Georgia goes from here, where some players might go from here. But before we do that, we're gonna talk LinkedIn and about your chance to connect with Jarvis on subtext. Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for LinkedIn. This episode of Link of the ATL Football Party is brought to you by LinkedIn. And, and when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as much many top tier candidates as possible to interview because that's why you have check out. You have to check out LinkedIn Job. LinkedIn Job has the tools to help the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And folks like. When you're looking for a job, you want to definitely be able to go to the right spot. If you're looking to post a job, you're going to get the best candidates. And LinkedIn Jobs is the place for both of those things. And it's just isn't another just another job board. They have a vast network, more than a billion, billion with a B, not an M, B, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours so linkedin knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire and plus i'm a small business owner as well so i understand how it is to find how hard it is to find good people and they've even launched a feature that helps you write job description making the process even easier so here's what i want you to do post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right, folks, I want to do real quick. Here we go. Free trial. You can join the subtext right here for Locked On Sports Atlanta. What you're going to get, you're going to be able to get text updates right to your phone with breaking news, rumors, all the, all my thoughts on all 22 review, whether it be for the, for the Atlanta Falcons. I need you to go there right now. Join subtext.com. That's Locked On Sports Atlanta. And you're going to be able to get a free two-week trial 
All you got to do, go there, and they're going to send you a code, and you can sign up. And then it's after the two weeks, if you don't like it, you can just you can drop it. Or if you do like it, it's just $4.99 a month for Subtech. So become a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider today by going to the website, joinsubtech.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. So, guys, it's the Orange Bowl for Georgia, as we talked about. They'll face off against Florida State. And there's some questions about who you might see and who you might not see play. So, got a couple questions for you guys, Brett. Who do you expect to see play or not play in the game? And might that be a sneak peek into who might or might not declare for the draft? Yeah, I would, I would think Mims doesn't play. I would think Ladd doesn't play. Just get healthy and yeah. move on. Bowers is interesting just because of his own – you know, neuroses, I guess, in terms of the, the, what he is and uh, playing and, and how, what he's all about. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, but I also think he's, he's one who should go be healthy or, and go get healthy. Don't, don't. So those three, those are the three outside of that. Cause those are the three to me that are def- definitive picks top 50, obviously the other two first round and Laz just had health issues all year. So he, mm-hmm. to me, should, so those three are the only ones outside of that. I, I would think, Expect to see everybody that doesn't transfer or go away or, you know, all that sort of stuff uh, play. How about you, Jarvis? Who do you expect to see play or maybe not play in the game? And do you think that might be a peek into who might declare for the draft? I, I think Carson Beck should definitely play because I think this this needs to be his, his film. Like the, all the eyeballs that are going to be on this game, because you, especially with Florida State and all the NFL prospects that they have up front – and I, I I wholeheartedly believe that Carson Beck should take an opportunity to put himself on display and, and go go to the NFL because one of the things that you know is is going on in the NFL is that there is a lack of quarterback talent. And I felt like Carson Beck, you know, showed that talent, put that talent on display as far as from being able to be able to distribute the football to his wide receivers, different um targets and everything. No matter who's in there, no matter who who's healthy, he's been able to you know, the, um, slang the football around, and also, just from a arm strength standpoint, he he definitely has that as well, and and I think this is going to be an opportunity for him to put his talent on display to to move on because let's just face it, like all the guys that that Brent mentioned, as far as getting themselves healthy, the old guys are gone. They're going to the NFL. You got a, a Marius Mims who's going to be gone as well. And it's going to be a lot of this offense is going to look very different next year. So I feel like this is the opportunity for him to say, you know what? I, I appreciate this year to be at this opportunity to be able to, you know, be the starter for Georgia. Then get bring home the natty. But I, I, I made myself some money by, by putting my, my talent on display and I'm about to take advantage of it and strike wide irons out. Now, some might say, Brent, that's a good idea, obviously, to play in the Orange Bowl and give yourself one more opportunity, sort of like your uh, final curtain call, if you will. But some may say as well, hmm, maybe you want to come back because this is a year where you've got a whole lot of talent coming out. A Kayla Williams, a Jaden Daniels and Mike Carson Beck come back to inc- improve his stock. But what is your read on where you think he, what he might do, A, in this game and B, in the draft? I tend to think he comes back mainly for the reason that you said, but the interesting thing about him is I don't know that he's ever like top five. I don't, I don't know what he could do differently because 
what does the NFL in terms of picking that high do? They want people that not only sort of the throwing aspects, but it also the play, make playmaking skills on the move out of structure, things like that. It's not really his game. Like, sure is. but is he a guy who p- gets picked, say six through 15, six mm-hmm. through 20? I, I definitely think that, uh, yeah. and that that's a possibility, but in the end, I, I do think he comes back mainly because of, because you could see a situation like, look, look at this past year where, Bryce, Stroud, Richardson go top four, and then Levis doesn't – and then you get sort of – everybody's like, well, it's not worth it, so we're going to wait till later, and Levis goes in the second round. So he can come back and say, hey, I could potentially be the number one pick or mm-hmm. you know, be that. But his decision is obviously the ultimate domino. That, yes. And and yes. how you – because if he goes and now Vandergriff's gone, you're probably portaling. And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't so know that you want to uh, hang your hat. You're not battle. playing freshman, or I mean, maybe with Gunner, yes, but still, like, who knows? Like, it's just, it's still the ultimate domino, and we'll see. Indeed. Thanks for stopping by the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and come back for the Hawks postcast tomorrow night. We'll see you then.